All right, let's continue looking at um, the thing we have been speaking about, the power of agreement. And this has turned out to be an interesting series, even for me, that's doing the teaching. We said agreement, that is where God has kept a lot of spiritual power for us, his children. And we broke that agreement into three types of agreement. There's agreement with God, there's agreement with yourself, within yourself, and there is agreement with your fellows, that is, you must be sure that you are in agreement with the people you are having to deal with when things, um, when you are, when you are going to pray about something. Not only pray about, but when you have to operate, okay, even beyond the point of prayer. Now, to continue today, I would like us to quickly take three texts of the scriptures. One of them is from the book of, um, uh, Psalms, then one from First Peter, and then last of all, from the book of, um, Second Peter, sorry, I wanted to say, and then from the book of Hebrews. All right, Psalm 139, that's the first one we'll read. Let me just start from, um, because reading the Bible is good, let's read a long portion. We'll read from verse 7. Where we are going is a bit far, but we'll just read it because reading the scriptures is a good thing. And we're going to read up to verse, um, around verse 18. So let's start from verse 7. I'm reading the New American Standard. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings, wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely, the darkness will overwhelm me, that this is why I will hide inside darkness. And the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Now David was talking about how great you know, God's knowledge of us, his people, is. He said, for you know, he said, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Now, please notice verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Now, please note that. We are going to um, refer to this again in a moment. But let's read the other two portions that I mentioned. Uh, Which one should we read first? Peter, Hebrews, Peter, Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews first. No, let's read what Peter said first. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. I want to just establish a few points from here. Peter said from verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our, our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory, and excellence. For by this he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, 
so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. I'm going to stop reading in verse 4. Why I read this is just to bring out the fact that God prepared something and everything he prepared is contained or are contained in his promises. So whatever God, whatever thoughts God had for you and for me, you will find them reflected in the precious and magnificent promises that he has prophesied and recorded down for us, his people. Now, one last one, Hebrews chapter 6. Let's quickly read this and then we'll be done with reading. The book of Hebrews chapter 6. Um, of course, I will explain what this has to do with agreement in a moment when we get there. Now, where we are going is towards the end, but um, again, we need to back up slightly. From verse 9, long read again. We have to read about 11 verses. It said, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation. Though we are speaking in this way. This was when he just... Um, um, finish quoting conditions by which a man, a woman may not be able to be re, uh, um, renewed to repentance. That's what he was referring to here. Uh, that having, that he said that if you find somebody who has um, been enlightened and tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and that then that fellow falls away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him, he said, to open shame. Now, <laughs> can I digress for a moment? I need to digress for a moment. Somebody say amen. amen. Say prophet, professor. No, don't say that. I'm just joking. <laughs> I stumbled into something today, okay? And somebody quoted this scripture. I wanted to explain Please give me my phone. I need the phone. There's a reason why I just wanted to bring this out. So I read some, you know, this, those who say once saved, you are always saved. You can never lose your salvation and all of that. This is one scripture that's very difficult to explain. It's very difficult. There was a time my wife was in a chat group and they were discussing a church chat group, you know. People were brethren from a church and they were discussing these things. So, so she dropped this to ask somebody to explain. She said, I don't want to show off my knowledge. He said, show it off. We forgive you. Show off the knowledge. We are here to learn. There's no show off. Say what you want to say. We will not interpret it as show off. But the fellow backed down simply because there's no way of getting around this particular scripture. There's no way of getting around it. Now, but I found somebody trying to get around it today. I couldn't believe it. Stumbled on the website and they extracted from a book and said, look, this is the explanation. That this scripture is defining people who have experienced God so much but never truly gave their lives to Christ. And the example that was given to me was Judas. That Judas experienced the Holy Spirit. He himself, you know, he, you know, he lay hands on the sick, he cast out demons and all of that, which is not a lie. But I never gave his life to Christ. I said, my father. So that these are people who experienced God but did not make the commitment to Jesus. And that this should not be used to scare Christians. And it should also not be used, let me use, get the words because I copied it out. He said, it should also not be used he said, this passage will never be used to threaten and bring fear to true believers. Scaring them with a lie that they can easily lose their salvation and eternal security in Christ Jesus. Nobody ever said, at least people like me, that you can easily. 
There's nothing easy about it. Nobody's saying it's easy. However, the, the, I don't have time to read the whole thing because I copied it out. Explaining to me that it's only, it only applies to those who never give their lives to Christ. Immediately, I, I wrote a reply and forwarded it to one or two, a few people, my, my brethren. I said, this explanation is faulty for a number of reasons. I said, this passage should never be used to threaten and bring fear to true believers. I said, there is a difference between a threat and a warning. I hope you're getting my point. Now, just by the way, this venue we have, we are, we know we're a bit high up, and this railing, we're not comfortable with the gap between them. We felt they are not close enough because we have children. We are careful to, you know, you know, like, watch out for our children. And we intend to tell parents, please, don't let them go beyond our boundaries. We have, we have secured our own side. You know, children are interesting. If you tell a child, don't run, don't, please, don't climb that railing. Is it a threat? If you climb it, you may fall and drop two flights of, you know, two, two, two levels. Is, is that a warning? Is that a threat? What is it? It's a warning. Tell to tell to a Christians, anyone who thinks he stands, take heed lest he falls. It's not a threat. It's a warning. When you tell your children, look left, look right, and left again before you cross the road, are you threatening them? But if you look front, look front and look front again, and then you cross the road, you want to, what do you want to tell me to? Me, me, your father. Are you getting my point? It is not a threat. It's a warning. That's number one. Number two, when he said, when this whoever said that, said that, look, it's for those who never give their life to Christ. I said, this, you missed out one critical phrase. And what is that phrase? He said, it is not possible to do what? Please read it. Go down to that verse um, 6. Please read it out in your... Give me a version. Which one do you have there? Huh? NLT. Read it for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bring them... Wait, wait. That's, thank you. Bring them what? Back to repentance. I want another, another version. That's New Living Translation. Give me another one. New American Standard. Read it for me. That's mine. Thank you. It is impossible to renew them again. That's a literal translation. Not even new living translation. That's a paraphrase. This is a literal translation. And you can read it. The word is, it is impossible to renew them. How? Again. What does that tell you? They were in repentance before. How can somebody read that and tell me they never gave their life to Christ? Are you joking? Must we twist the scriptures to just say what we wanted to say? I come and I get worried. I read that today. I say, my father... It's simple English. He said it is impossible to renew them again. Back to repentance. They were in repentance before. Don't tell me they never gave their life to Christ. Why do we do this? Please, let's read this one again. Because for me, I just feel like dropping this before I go on. Second Peter chapter 2. Please, don't leave where you are. Just quickly go to Second Peter chapter 2. Because sometimes I don't understand why we do this. We make it look like God doesn't care. But he does. How you live your life matters to him. And like I said the other side, on Saturday when I was preaching, I don't, want to, I don't have time to be discussing with those who say, can you lose your salvation or you can't lose it? Why do you want to discuss that? Are you planning to try to throw it away? We're talking about walking deeper into God. You are coming to argue with me whether you can lose your salvation or you can't lose your salvation. 
I hope you're getting my point. Our discussion should be how deeper into God can we get? How much deeper into him? How closer with him can we walk? Like I gave as an example, anybody coming down to argue with me, what, what the Bible says we can't marry a second wife, I would say, well, go and take ten. I mean, we, are, we have more serious things to talk about. What I say you open to? Let's just read it for the, just, you know, so that we just get some truths out. For time's sake, I'll just read verse 20. And of course, two verses from 20. For if after they have, es- they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, by the Lord and Savior Jesus, again, what have they done? They have what? Escaped. Through what? Through what? Answer me, I want to hear your voice. Through what? So, question. Did they, just, did they just hear about him if they escaped? Or they gave their lives to Christ? Ha. Huh. said that they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Verse 21. For it will be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having no need to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. How can he say that their last state is, is worse? And it would have been better for them if they never knew the way of salvation, except that something terrible has now occurred by the fact that they backslid into what they used to be. Simply put, that backsliding state is worse than that of the person who never knew Jesus. So you never knew Christ, and you are better than the person who knew him, and backslid, why your salvation is still intact? What kind of, is, is, does language mean anything? Simple logic. Please, let's stop arguing, you know, things that, you know, like one brother said, <laughs> he sent me a message. He said, I saw, he mentioned one big man. He said, I saw him on TV sweating, trying to defend what cannot be defended. He said, how sad. He said, how can this old man do this to himself? Take it. Let's get back to our message. The Lord is good. I don't want to go on on that. But because we read it, that's why I just went back to it. Please, God is able to keep you. Somebody say amen. amen. So I'm not, nobody's trying to scare anybody. But don't tell me that people's names cannot be erased from the book. How if it was like that? Why would Jesus say, I will not erase your name if you repent? If a man tells his son, stop this bad habit, I will not disown you. What does that tell you? It means that, oh boy, you continue like this, you are disowned. Please, please, please. It's common sense. Nobody is saying you can easily. And the Bible says he's mindful that we are both flesh. That's why the Bible says whoever is sometimes, somebody is overtaking in a, in a fault. That's why the Bible gives us the avenue for what? Confession of sins. Nobody is saying that. I've heard it before. If you just slap somebody like this, you now die. You are going to hell. That's a lie. He said if God were to count iniquity, how many people will stand? No one. You see, sometimes people are arguing. These are the things they don't understand. Nobody is saying that everybody that goes to heaven is perfect. Nobody is saying that. But please don't tell me. I heard a man say, you know, I, you know it was quoted from his book, that even if you deny Jesus and for all intents and purposes start living like an unbeliever, your salvation is intact. Yes. Look, he wrote it in a book that if a Christian denies Christ Jesus, no, see, he said if a Christian backslides, 
Start living like an unbeliever. And for all intents and purposes, lives practically like an unbeliever. And even goes as far as denying Jesus. He said his salvation is intact because the grace of God is too powerful. He cannot read the grace of God. If you believe that, you know who said this? Okay, let me not worry you about it. You know him in other good things. This man is on TV every day internationally preaching the gospel. There was a time I downloaded more than a hundred of his messages. When I heard he said that, I said, lie, lie, I won't listen to you again. There, there are some areas you don't cross. The example he gave, I couldn't stand it. That even if you go, he said, shoot people, kill people, divorce your wife, marry somebody, carry somebody else's wife, join a cult, deny Jesus. If one day you answered an altar call, your salvation is intact. I said it before, grace does not mean God overlooks. Grace means you have the power to overcome. That is the meaning of grace. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Please, oh, so that those who like to classify people, classify me early. If you want to continue listening to me or you don't want to continue listening to me, I don't believe in this so-called once saved, always saved. Unless you are talking about David Parsons' kind of once saved, always saved. David Parsons says that right now we are in the process of salvation. That one day we will be finally saved, finally. Saved from the corrupt world. Saved, you know, from the temptations. Satan has been bound and all of that. So now I can say once saved, always saved. You're not talking about that. If you're talking about this normal, I give my life to Christ. I can never lose my salvation. I don't believe it. It's not supported by scripture. It's supported with common sense. What I call common sense Christianity. Things like, uh, I did not work for my salvation. Therefore, my work cannot kill my salvation. I say, hey, if I dash you 10 million naira, did you work for it? No. Can you waste it and become poor by tomorrow morning? Of course, yes. You know, some kinds of logic don't tie. They don't tie. They don't tie. Please don't believe them. I don't know why people even want to believe those things. We're not taking anything away from the greatness of the grace of God. We're not taking anything away from it. We're not saying it's very easy for somebody to just, you know, backslide and Jesus has lost you. No. We are saying, children, keep yourselves in the love of Christ. You have something to do. He that thinks he stands should take heed lest he falls. This Christianity is not a joke. Like I said the other day, when we believe what is wrong, we start misbehaving. Our behavior is a product of what we have imbibed. Like somebody said about some of those doctrines. He said, look, let's even stop arguing. Let's just look at the lives of those who believe them. Some of the doctrines I hold about you know, money and all of that. The reason why some people close to me believe them is because they observe my manner of conduct. It's so easy for them to, okay, oh, what this man is saying must be true. The Lord is good. Please let me sit there for a moment. If you have a problem, go and pray. I hope you get my point. Stop changing the doctrine of God. Now, because sometimes, why people, some people believe some things is that they have a problem. They don't want people to solve it. So his conscience is, you know, <clears throat> so fear comes in. So in that believe that I can't lose my salvation. Listen, if you have the knowledge of need to repentance, alright, for the need for repentance, you have not lost your salvation. I'm not saying you have lost it. But please face it. Solve it. Come, your eyes making you stumble. Let's blind you. you are you getting my point? Ah, if it wasn't like that, why would Jesus say that it's better for you to go blind? Don't make excuses that no, 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 no. Listen, if you have a problem, let us pray. There are people that need spirits literally cast out of them. 
If you have a problem, let's solve it. Let's counsel one another. Let's pray together. Let's confess our sins. Don't touch the scripture. Don't, don't rearrange it to your own life. Keep the word of God where it is. It gives you, you know, guidance. It's guiding you. It's like a star. You don't move the star to where you like. If you are lost on the sea. Say, the way this, the way, where this star is, it means I'm lost. Let me move it to the other side. That means I'm not lost. You never get home like that. You keep the star where it is. You start finding, you know, you start moving in its direction. You don't shift standards. That's what Christians don't understand. Listen. Oh, please, I'll get back to my message. The fact that you are falling short of a standard does not mean you should touch that standard. When you touch the standard, you are doomed. As long as the standard is up there and you are looking at it, you have hope. I hope you're getting the point. As long as the standard is up there and you are looking at it, even though you are short of that standard, you have hope. The day you drop the standard to your level, you are doomed. Your hope has been removed. If the Bible says, love your wife as Christ like, love the church, like I said to, 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 to men, the Bible never says, subdue your wife. What it says is what? Love your wife. He told the women, do what? Submit yourself to your husband. He never told the men, subdue your wives. So if the ma- woman does not listen, I've always been talking to you like that. That is called subduing. You slap her ears and her dr- eardrums burst. It's, the, it's against the will of God. It's just because you are bigger. It's not because the Lord said so. It's because you have strength. The married person will get power past you. <laughs> and sometimes you not get power past you. Get hot oil past you. One man of God, I won't mention his name, but I, do, I can mention he testified about it himself on, in church. He said the day he stopped beating his wife was the day he entered the kitchen. She picked boiling oil, told him, come closer. He and his wife used to fight her. They go beat the woman. One day he entered the kitchen. The woman, oil don't boil. She picked it up. Say, man of God, come closer. If I don't peel your skin for you today. So that's why it dawned on him. This is where his words. I do not have the monopoly of violence. Your wife busy with hot oil. You know, can't even do ministry again. <laughs> Black Pastor Banky is now white Pastor Banky. <laughs> Enter the entire church. Why is he looking like that? Nada, madam. The man said after that time, he repented. <laughs> so this one I say. Okay? Sometimes, of course, we're not saying you're a perfect man. You have to deal with the flesh. You have to put the body under. So sometimes you get overtaken an offense. I've been over, you were overtaken yesterday, today, tomorrow, you are still being overtaken. Anytime they preach, love your wife. As I love the church. Don't say some of these women are terrible. You see, you are, are you getting my point? You are removing from the word of God. Just shut your mouth. Like I said, don't touch the scripture. What did I say? Don't touch that scripture. Just leave it. Say, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Don't say, hmm. Some of these men, they think you are weak. They will not start climbing on top of your head. That's what the Bible calls unbelief. You incapacitate the word of God from working in your life like that. That's what happens. Let's not, because of our weaknesses, start weakening the scripture. Leave the word of God how it is. If you don't know how to handle it, you understand? Just leave it. You are growing up to it. Stop making excuses. The world that will come and tell us that, you see, you see, you know, eh, is how you feel. So if I feel, a man the other day sued, I think in Netherlands, somewhere in Europe anyway, he sued 
to have his age reduced from 65 to 45. Serious lawsuit went to court that he wants to be recognized as a 40, either 40 or 45 year old man. But he cut off 20 years from his age and went to court. Say, henceforth, I want to be recognized as being 45. Why? Because being recognized as 65 is reducing my chances of getting a girlfriend or a wife. The people are looking at me as I'm too old, but I know myself. I know my abilities. So the man went to court and said, I feel 20 years younger. So he wanted the court to declare him 20 years younger. I know his argument. Those who say they feel like women, you allow them to change from being men to women. What about when I feel 20 years younger? Why can't I just change my age? So the age, 45. A man born 65 years ago, and if you don't recognize 45, you are a bigot. You are, you are prejudiced. It's called ageism. <laughs> You're laughing. The man went to court. Went to the court process. After some time, the, the judge said, oh boy, no. It was a panel of judges. They had to say, no, no, sir. We can't approve the reduction of your age. It cause problems in society. The man, but the man changing to woman, he has not caused problems in society. This is how I feel. Is how I feel. Is how I feel that matters. That is what happens when people take the word of God and make their feelings superior to it. To it. The world now becomes upside down. Good is now bad. Bad is now good. Please, let's leave the word of God. If, even if you don't... Listen, it, no matter how much you feel like all your sexual attraction... Is toward the same sex. You no, know? you are a man. You love all the men. And you have given your life to Christ. We will not rewrite the Bible because of you. You just stick with God's word. Which says it's a perversion. It simply means you are being oppressed by what the Bible calls an unclean spirit. I was born like that means nothing. People were born blind too. I hope you are getting my point. Ah, Jesus healed a man born blind. So Jesus is, 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 uh, is, we can accuse him of committing aism, discriminating between those who can see and those who can't see. That's why he's healing somebody born blind. No. The fact you are born in a particular way does not make it right. Being born blind is not a good thing. It's good to see. And Jesus put clay, made clay with spit to put in the eyes, go to the pool of Siloam and go and wash. And the man came back seeing. So even if you have the crazy idea that I was born a lesbian, it's a lie. You can still be killed. But let's get back to the reading of the word of God. Hebrews chapter what? Six. So, based on, so Paul wrote all of those things. He warned people. He didn't threaten anybody. That's why I wanted to do that. But he now said that but beloved. That's where our reading really starts from. We are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation. Though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire, he said, that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you will not be sluggish. But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit what? 
inherit what? The promises. For when God was, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his promise, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Please, for certain reasons, I need to read verse 18 again, because that's what I was heading for. It says, so that by two unchangeable things, you know, God did something, he gave an oath, alright, he swore, gave an oath, alright, and then he said that, um, it was first he gave a promise, then he gave an oath, two things. So that by those two unchangeable things in which they demonstrated that God cannot lie, we who have taken hope, uh, taken refuge will have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. The hope we have, remember, is based on the promise that God has given. The hope we have is based on the word that God has released concerning us. He has said, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is good. Now, why did I read this? Okay, let me quickly get into it. The reason why I read this is, of course, we've been talking about um, the issue of uh, agreement. Three levels of agreement. I keep reminding us of, of those levels. One with God, two within ourselves, and then three with our fellows. We're still on the second one, agreeing within ourselves. And I've said it again and again. It is possible for people to be in, for, for an individual to be in disagreement within himself. James called it what? Double-mindedness. And there are different examples of double-mindedness. One example of double-mindedness is that today you want this, tomorrow you want that. And you're going to God in prayer concerning those things. And I said that if your desire is not based on revelation, there is no way you will not be double-minded. There's no way. There's no way. It's just a matter of time. Your mind will change. So before God manifests something for you, you will discover that you have changed your mind concerning what you want from Him. Why? Because your desire was based on the flesh. And according to the Word of God, all flesh is what? Grass. It's unstable. It's unstable. Is unstable. He says, such a man is like the wind tossed to and fro, like the waves of the sea. He's unstable in all his ways. Such a person cannot receive anything from God. That was what James told us. We read it last time. Okay? So, we now say, how can we, therefore, make sure that we're in agreement with ourselves? Now, why do you disagree with yourself? The world gives you an opinion. The word of God gives you another opinion. Those things create two different desires. So you are, you are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So how do we make sure that doesn't happen? I said it's simple. By making sure that the word of God is our anchor. That's what we're talking about again. By making sure that our desire is based on revelation. Now, that's where we stopped last time. It's very important we get it. Because God has tremendous power available. God has tremendous power available for us. Many times I have personally experienced the power of God manifest in different ways. I have seen it again and again. 
He has power available. Sometimes I ask myself, why does it not manifest all the time? There are many reasons why it doesn't manifest all the time. But one of them we are dealing with is this matter of agreement. Sometimes we are disagreeing with divine principles. Sometimes we are disagreeing with divine order. We are disagreeing with divine desire. Notice that. You can disagree with divine desire. Other times, you are disagreeing with yourself. Even though God has the power, some, you know, look at the, the people on Tower of Babel. God made it clear that if they could stay in agreement, if they are united, things will still happen, even though they disagree with God. Okay? So even sometimes, within ourselves, God says, okay, whatever you are saying, it will come to pass. You can't even make up your mind. So we say, how do we solve all of these things? You know, after reasoning about it, after teaching about it, I realized that we are always coming back to the same point. The only thing that is unchangeable, the only thing that is immutable, is the word of God. So for you to agree with yourself, you have to anchor yourself, your desires, on God's word. Just what I was teaching last time, I just want to continue from that particular point today. Why did I read these things? You know, many of us, if you are like me, you grew up, Misunderstanding prayer. What I mean by misunderstanding prayer is this. We think prayer is a method by which we bring up ideas before God. Are you getting my point? Now, let me give an example. How many of you have really thought about it to understand that God understands calculus? I don't know whether you are getting my point. That God understands advanced physics. We may not think about it. Just in heaven, they don't have time for chemistry. God said, let there be. How it happens, he does not know. That's an unconscious thing. You see where I'm going? So we're brought up to think concerning prayer, that prayer is when we have planned. We are the ones that can plan. Really, God doesn't plan. Things that happen really surprise him. So occasionally, he's wondering, what's going on here? And then you quickly pray about it and solve the problem. You do the thinking for him. You do the reasoning for him. You do the arranging for him. So prayer is a method by which he empowers what you have thought about. Prayer is a method by which you get power to execute what you have decided about. I've seen people write about the power of planning. I said, listen, bros, if all your plans have come to pass, let me just announce to you, you are not yet blessed. You are warm enough for blessing. Don't worry, keep planning. No, you won't die, amen? Once they asked me once, if you see, all her life, she's used to Blasting. Nursery school, graduation, best student at the age of four, whatever. A, B, C, D, E, you know, rhymed everything well. Secondary school, top, 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 top. Secondary school, that's a secondary school, primary school, sorry. Best school living certificate holder. Secondary school. Which school do you want to go, go to? Federal government this, this one, that one. Entrance exam. Poof, guaranteed. Ah, it's not you. Junior work. Junior secondary school. Boom, blast. Senior secondary school. Do I need to tell you? A1, A1, A1. A, A, just A every corner. Now go and write jump now. The day of writing jump, computer hang. You know they call CBT. Computer-based test. She knew all the answers, but computer refused to move. Had chosen the best university, chosen the best subject. Passed the jam now. The day she talked to me, one sister, I just said, okay, you are blessed. God hung at home for one year. You know, there's a kind of hanging at home that's very painful. 
Because all the people that you, you are better than. Please, if, if that happens to anybody around you, tell, shake the person and say, you have been delivered. There's a quote I heard from Bill Gates. Well, I well, you know, sometimes they say things, you don't know whether the man really said it. Eh? But <laughs> I only quote the ones that I know are true. Because um, if something is, is the word of God, or is in agreement with the word of God, I will quote it. Just that you now, you know, give honor to whom honor is due. If they see somebody said it, fine. You, but then, sometimes you are not even sure who said what. So this one, they told me Bill Gates said it. And I said, okay, let me just believe it's Bill Gates. But I like the statement Bill Gates made. I'm just looking for it here. They said, Bill Gates said, success is a lousy teacher. It seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. Did you hear that? That success is a lousy teacher. Why? It deceives smart people. They believe they will always win. Life, <laughs> the race, Solomon said, life has taught us. It's not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. That is, the fastest man on this earth never made it to Olympics. You only knew about Usain Bolt. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That there are people far faster than Usain Bolt. Do you understand? At the age of 15, before they went for that race, a car knocked them down. Cracked one small bone inside their ankle. They stopped their running thing ended. The best footballers are in Benin, smoking Igbo. I'm quoting somebody actually, one of my colleagues, senior colleagues. He's a commissioner of police now. He said, Banky. He said, get one guy where I know for our neighborhood. He said, JJ Kocha, what can he play? He said, this guy can play ball. He said, but what's the problem? Igbo will not let him think. So as far as I was concerned, the best footballer in Africa was in the neighborhood in Benin, high on Indian hemp. <laughs> so that day I told her sister, I said, my dear sister, don't worry, God has delivered you. This one year is one year of retreat. It's one year of knowing God. It's one year of knowing that <laughs> the race is not to the swift. As I tell everybody, if you have not yet, if all your plans have been working, you need to panic. You need to panic. Say, Lord, please, I don't understand what's going on. There's nothing I've, nothing I've ever tried to do that it didn't work. What's going on? And I planned them ahead. When are you going to teach me a lesson? It's important we get that point. Though. Many people, <laughs> the, the Bill Gates said, that's the problem of success. It seduces smart people into thinking they will always what? Win. It doesn't, they, don't, they don't realize they can lose. Now, why am I talking about this? So that did that sister, when, when we spoke, I told her, listen, God has blessed you. God has blessed you. He has helped you to understand that you can fail. In yourself, you can what? You can fail. That's a matter of fact. All right, let me get back to my teaching. Now, how did I get into that? What was I going to say? Okay. Don't worry, I, I've, I've remembered now. So we think that we are the ones that think for God. We think that we, what we have thought, that is what God now sanctions. But it's not true. It is not true. God, what we read now, let me get back to explaining why I read different portions of the scriptures. That one we read from first, um, uh, from Psalm 139. To, to help us understand that David said there is a sum of his thoughts towards us. That we can't attain to it. 
I don't know whether you're getting my point. That no matter what you have thought concerning yourself for good, plans you have for your own life, you have not yet come close to what God has thought and planned for you. That's why sometimes when smart people are going, God just puts leg in front of them. Four. Four first. Give up. When you are finished giving up, then I can help you. That you are too smart. You are too strong. You are working in your own plans. And your plans, no matter how hard they work, they cannot last beyond your lifetime. The plan I have for you is for things that will last till eternity. You are planning for this temporal life. I have plans that cover not only this temporal life, but eternity. He said, Godliness is profitable all, unto all things. Having promise for what? The life that now is, and then what? The one that is to come. Because that's how my plans are. That's how they are. Christians, you, you know, you will need to learn to enjoy disappointment. What's disappointment? You had a plan, it didn't work. That's not what disappointment is. You told somebody would do something, they did not do it. That's not what disappointment is. It's important you enjoy it. It's important. Parents, let's forget the plan. In fact, don't plan anything for your children. Just teach them what? Righteousness and justice. Leave it there. Those will be open. Then, okay, when you finish, you're going to go to school. God, can I use this explanation? I have, I have a thought in my mind. Okay, let me color it. For somebody I know, when he finished telling me all the plans he had for his son, the guy is something like a lawyer, and then, ah, this is my son. He's going to study law, finish at the age of uh, 21, go to law school at the age of 22, then come out at the age of 23. No, as soon as he finishes at 21, you go to law school, come out at 22, go for NYC at 22, come out at 24, then, no, come at 23. How am I jumping these things? And then, you will join these chambers, become this, and by the age of 35, you'll be a senior advocate and take over my chambers. The boy will go to law school. You know, he go to university to study law. By the time he was halfway through second year, they, they withdrew him from faculty of law. And the man, they vex. Mama, why you, what, you? Such things you don't vex over it. What do you do? You put up your hands and worship the Lord. The Lord gave it. That's all. There are things that God... And, and I think the boy, not like he's not smart though. The boy just looked at the papa, they make plans. He said, okay, Shabit, now you can go to school. As father was making the plans, the boy, they looked at the man. Lawyer. Oh, Allah. I've seen people that their fathers made them, well, I don't know any directly, but I know true stories of a few. Their fathers made them study medicine. Because I, I study medicine, that's why I get all of those as soon as they finished, they gave the father the certificate. Then the first one I heard of this in school, re-enrolled back in school to do BSc physics. Daddy, you want doctor? I'm not a doctor. Can I live my life now? When I studied physics, at the time I was in the study, I was in lecturer in the university. Something like a professor of physics. There's one I heard of that one. They say he's in Abba. He's a mechanic today. Yeah, finished medicine. The father was very happy. The guy went, joined the shop, began to learn how to do mechanic business. Today, in Abba, he's a mechanic. My father wanted the doctor. I've given him one. Can I not give life something else? Be careful, too many plans. Too many plans, unnecessary. All these plans you are making, do you know where God is taking your children to? 
What are you supposed to do for them? Teach them what? Righteousness, justice. Let them be educated. Education is good. Education is not a way of making money. It's a way of talking in the public. It's a way of knowing what's going on in the society. Education is a way by which you know how to relate with life. There's nothing about it more than that. It's like learning to speak English, speaking in, you know, a language, learning to drive a car. That's what education is. If you have 200 naira, you know that if you spend 150, you remain 50 naira. Are you getting my point? <laughs> That's what education is. I hope I'm clear. <laughs> so, let's be careful with those plants. So, listen. God plants. Somebody say amen. amen. He, that is, individually, he wrote detailed plants. Let's get back to it. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Uh, let's just get back there. I want to, I want to just... Um, I just wanted to emphasize that thing again. Look at what he said. Verse um, 17. He said, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Notice that expression. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. It's important you notice what he said. God has... Thoughts, vast in sum. What that means is that it covers every aspect of your life. It covers every aspect of my life. Now you say, what has this got to do with agreement? I said last time that the only way you will not doubt and be shifting left and right is if your desires, your prayer points are based on what? Revelation. Based upon the word of God. And now, let me say something briefly about the will of God. The most important thing about God's will is not just does God want me to go left or go right. That's part of it. But the most crucial thing to know about God's will is the thinking process. You can't know the will of God except you've learned to think like him. This is where I'm going. Peter said, we have magnificent promises. It's exactly the same thing David was saying here. David said, look at the sum of the thoughts of God towards me. Too great. Peter called them what? Magnificent promises. The only way we can be sure we will be in agreement, two things. Now, one, with God, and two, have our desires in such a manner that it can never shift. We said last time, is when it is anchored, when desires are anchored on the word of God. So, the same thing we are talking about. Agreeing with God totally is what leads you to agreeing with yourself. Without agreeing with the word of God, you cannot agree with yourself. It's not possible. Now, what am I teaching today? To encourage believers or remind believers that what you are supposed to do is learn how to frame your life based on God's promises. There is nothing that you can ever think about that the Lord did not think about. Something better concerning your life. The problem, why prayer is hard, is that our desires are formed not having been trained with the promises of God. When we're talking about praying that God into the will, this is a mistake we a, lot of, a lot of us make. You know, when I read that thing that John said in 1 John chapter 5, I said, John, you know, let me just say something quickly. Sometimes the way we inter- interpret life, it really couldn't have been like that. You know, you see, the church those days, they were not as... Which word do I use for spiritual in a wrong way? They were not as uh, mystical, you know, as we try to be like in these days. You don't, you wouldn't hear a, 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 a Christian in the days of, 
you know, Peter, you know, John, Paul, and you are asking them, why are you walking on this, this side of the road? And I'll tell you, my spirit said, go over to this side. It's not their, it wasn't their character. If they tell you, the spirit said to me, it was something you could not doubt. They literally saw a vision. Once I sat down and compared how God used to speak to Abraham. You think Abraham learned how to hear God the way we are trying to learn how to hear God now? I've said, if all this learn to hear God, I don't believe in it too. Is it because God doesn't speak to people? No. Of course, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. It's just because it's not a difficult thing. He knows how to shout. My children have never learned how to hear me. I talk to them. I don't know whether you're getting my point. They just discover that they know, they know when we are talking. This one of pray and then start checking. At what frequency is he speaking? That's not, God, that's not scripture. So when those people said, people being led by the Spirit, believe me, it's not what we say this, this. When John said, if we pray according to his will, he wasn't giving, that's what I'm talking about. They were not there that, have you gone to pray? What did God speak to you about? Did God speak to you? I have people, I say, I have people say things like that. This job you want to take, did, you, did God speak to you that you should take it? Jobless man, God needs to speak to you. I've seen people tell me that before. One brother, at any time he sees me, does it, he must collect money. He must collect money. If he sees me, ah, brother Banky, how are you? I'm happy I saw you. I was going down the road and, I don't know, I just found out that I didn't have any money. So the Lord brought you now so that, um, can you give me 500 right there? Let me just complete some things. I will give him the money. Then one day he saw, he said, I want to see you. So I said, okay, what's the matter? He said, Pastor Okemote saw me. It's not Okemote, somebody else. And he said that there is a place where and this guy was, was very good, you know, maybe Okada rider, something like that, as an example. I'm coloring things, so are you getting my point? That um, there's one man that needs a keke operator. Just somebody to ride his keke, deposit some money every day. And it's, it's not too far from where I live. And Pastor Kimuti was saying that um, he can help me, you know, I, you know, sign guarantor forms and all of that, so that I take the keke and start operating it. Ah, so in my mind, praise God, though. So the days of this guy harassing me for money... Is now near over. So say yes, I heard that very nice idea that that man of God brought. But you see, God has not spoken to me yet to start riding keke. Did you hear what I said? I wanted to ask and say, bros, when did God speak to you to be shaking me down every time we meet? No, this shake down every time we meet. Did God speak to you about it? No, He didn't. Common sense spoke to you that back he can spare five hundred naira. And you came, took advantage of it. When Pastor came to say, come and earn your own money. You needed God to talk to you. What am I saying? When John said, praying according to his will, in that first John chapter 5, he wasn't talking about, has God spoken to you that this is my will? That was not what he was talking about. He was saying, listen to me, if, I know, you know, once I was reading my Bible, I found out that most of the things that this, this man used to teach us, that's Peter, um, James, John, especially Peter and John, almost every one of them you will find in the words of the Lord Jesus. Almost, God, look, if you have time, me and you can sit down together. Give me one instruction Peter gave. I will go to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and show it to you there. 
When John said that thing, you know what he was amplifying? The same thing Jesus has told us before. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will, and it will be done. So John said, if you ask according to his will. It was, that was where he learned it from. What he was saying is that if the word of God fills your heart, then that word will provoke desires in you. And you will ask based upon the word that has filled your life. And you have that confidence that he will answer. Exactly what Jesus said. Abide in me. If my words abide in you, then you will ask God whatever you wish and it will be done. So, ask God for whatever you wish. Lord, these my neighbors are my enemies. I need them to die. Do you know there are people that's their wish? You know that? There are those, their wish. This man has been on this position for the last six years. So the rest of us cannot move. Is enemy of what? Progress. We will pray. Every enemy of... Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's somebody's desire. But let me ask you. Common sense. Common, common Christian sense. If they pray that prayer, will Jesus answer that prayer? No. Why? It's not in accordance with his will. Why? They did not abide in him. If they were abiding in him, they would have known that even if they, those people were your enemies, his first prayer point was what? Pray for them. Do good to them. They will have understood things like a man can receive nothing except it is given to him from above. So if that man remains on that seat, that is what God has decreed. So they will never pray that he should die so that they can be promoted. They will not pray that he should be sacked so they can be promoted. Why? They are abiding in him. His words are abiding in them. The words abiding in them formed their prayer point. That's all it means. Please, I hope you follow what I'm saying here. That's what it means. So this is what I'm trying to explain. And please, it's an assignment. All of us must get involved in it. Why do we have prayers? Look, listen, some prayer points. Why do, we have, why do you want to build a house? It's simply because of some things in the society that you have heard. You see where I'm going? Every prayer point, not every, okay, most prayer points are based on experience. That's what I'm trying to say. Most prayer points are based on experience. Now, so the world forms experiences for us. This is the assignment I'm dropping for Christians today. Form a new thought process, a new thought pattern based on God's thoughts recorded concerning you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Let me look. Let me give you a few practical examples. Now, please, I'm not campaigning today. Jesus is the best example. I'm not campaigning, no. It's just the best example. Please tell your neighbor, it's the best example he has. It's the word of God. Uh, because some people think it's my personal desire. It's not. Once we had a discussion, me and my brethren, so one brother summarized it. He said, okay, in summary, a quiver depends on you. Some people like big quiver, some like small quiver. Whichever one works for you, it is okay. I replied to him, I said, my dear brother, you are on your own with that summary. You know the quiver I'm talking about? Children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the room is a reward. Psalm 127, right? 
So I said, no, that's not what I said. I said, my brother, let's get it right. I'm not saying it's compulsory. Pai Elton had only one child because he said it was, it was expedient because of his mission work he had to do. So I'm not saying it's compulsory. I said, but I am saying to you that the Bible said children are the heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is a reward. And it's a blessing to have a quiverful. And don't be stupid, my brethren. Quiverful has a, refer- has an, has a spirit behind it. That is quiver full. It is the fullness, not the size of the quiver. I don't know what I get my point. The Bible was emphasizing what? The fullness. Not that the quiver, you know, it depends on the size of your quiver. Have you ever seen your quiver? So let's leave that thing. You see where I'm going? Where did this idea that it's good to have two children and that's all start from? I'm not saying it's evil or it's righteous. I've only asked a simple question. Where did it come from? Don't answer me loud. Think about it. That's my question. I've not said it's good. I've not said it's bad. I've just asked, where does it come from? I will tell you. You know the answer. It's the world. That's all. Did I say it's good? Did I say it's bad? I just asked, what is the source of quarrels amongst you? Is that not what James said? Where did this, everything has a source. Everything has a source. When God came to Adam in the garden, what was it, what was the issue? Where are you? I've gone to hide. Where are you hiding? Do I scare people? No, 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 no. I'm naked. What did Jesus say? Who told you you were naked? Every way you behave has a source. Everything you believe has a source. I have seen people tell me that they don't eat sugar. I ask them why. They will meet one half-educated human being telling them that sugar causes diabetes. Have you ever heard that thing before? And you'll be asking, say, where did you hear that sugar causes diabetes? Just because they hear it's called sugar diabetes. They say, when you eat sugar, you have diabetes. Please, I'm not here to teach medicine, but just here today. It's a lie. Sugar does not cause diabetes. Some people did not know that until today. <laughs> One day, a man who I, I was there that day. Actually, they were doing send, send off for my mother. When she retired. So, of course, I came, I attended. So, they were, my mother used to be a school teacher. So, it was a school hall. That was the last place where she worked as a headmistress. So, and, um, so we sat, all of us sat. And there was one man, I knew him from time. So, he said he has diabetes, so they said pounded yam. He said he does not eat pounded yam. He collected the soup, collected the oil, collected the fish, everything, and the meat, and then dipped his hand in the bag, brought out bread. <laughs> you know, at that time, I was already a doctor. So I whispered to my mother, what's wrong with that guy? <laughs> my mother said I should leave him. I said, okay. No, I'm just smiling to myself. You collected bread. Instead of pounded yam. Have you heard this lie before that diabetes should be eating beans or the unripe plantain and what else? Vita leaf, wheat, no, I hope all of those things. Bobo, all of them, lice. When I hear a lot of things, I just be looking at him and I say, Father, 
And people are going around every day propagating these things. They won't ask themselves, who said it? In life, everything you're operating by, ask yourself, who said it? When they tell the person, does he have the authority to say it? You know the lies, don't eat cholesterol, don't eat cholesterol. You hear that lie? I told you for a long time, more than 20 years ago, I said this is a fat joke. They have now withdrawn cholesterol from the list of dangerous things inside food. I just shook my head. I said, more than 20 years ago, I said, at least for Africans who are around me, I said, stop believing this thing. It's not true. What am I saying all of these things? Every information you operate by has a source. So, if the source is not the word of God, there are people who are praying against their weight. God can never answer about their weight. God will not answer you. Pray for nothing tomorrow. They are looking at, God is looking at you like this. What is the source? You say after watching, you know, Ovation magazine and watching E, E Africa, E Enugu, realize that slim is good. For that reason, the world now gave you an idea. I'm not saying you should be fat. I'm just saying that. Where did you give, what, what is the source? I hope you know. In France and Italy, there's a serious campaign going on that those girls they put on the cover of magazines should be removed. That they are a lie to the society. You can Google what I'm telling you. People have mounted campaign about it. That they are deceiving our young girls. That this figure is unnatural. Guess what? Borderline unhealthy. That most of the girls you see on the cover of those magazines are sick. There is a minimum body weight that makes sense. But I'm not even going to disagree about that. I'm just, but you know people will carry those things to prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I claim 25 kg. God say, yeah. My daughter wants to die. Now, what my son of this is, look, it's a, it's a serious problem spiritually. We build our lives on false information given to us by the world. They will come to church. Somebody wants to tell us how to get what we have, desires we have created by worldly information. And you expect God to answer. I saw a joke today. I laughed this morning. Church for sale. Whether it's really true, I don't know, but you know, it was cropped from somewhere. That average membership, is this 200 or 400? Average monthly tithe. It's not in Nigeria, it's not in Nigerian church, so the, the currency is different. They say 500,000, I don't know what their currency is. And the church is all for sale for 4 point something million of that currency. Reason for sale. Pastor is going to America. <laughs> That's where I'm going. Why are you selling the church? He said the pastor is emigrating. Let me ask you a simple question. Why is American visa a prayer point? No, these are the things we are asking. Many times we come asking God, look, do this for me. And the Lord is saying, what, why? So when I get to America, I will prosper. God says, that's an insult on my person. I hope you understand it. If you want to ask for prosperity, ask. Stop insulting me. I've been, you know, not, not in your Bible that in me there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Once I studied that, variableness means somebody who changes his mind left and right. Shadow of turning means that people, somebody who circumstances makes, no, circumstances make the person change. Variableness is that you are the one that changed your mind. So if, God, if I said, okay, um, Israel, please wait over for me at Artisan Junction. I'll be there in five minutes. 
Variableness is that I sit and say, I don't feel like going out again. So Israel waits there. After telling me, call, say, you said five minutes. I said so. I beg. <laughs> I saw food. Now I say, may I chop before I come? That is what? Variableness. Shadow of turning is that, please, Israel, can you wait for me there? I'll be there in five minutes. Five minutes I come out. I get to the road. The road is blocked. So you see, I want to go, but will I get there in five minutes? No. It's called shadow of turning. It's not my fault, but I can't get there in five minutes. He said, with God, there is none of the two. That if they block the road, he will walk through the block. If he tells you I'll be there in five minutes, bet on it. He'll be there in five minutes. That all the presidents in the world, with all the devils in hell put together, cannot stop him from getting there in five minutes. That is the meaning of there is no shadow of turning with him. Circumstances can't make him change. So there are things you pray you come, you just prove to say, God, you know, there's shadow of turning inside you. Why? I mean, the Congo, people don't prosper in Congo. So your, your promise will be fulfilled in Canada. Your promise will be fulfilled in Amsterdam. Johannesburg. We have to go to South Africa. Of those of us in Nigeria, we have to leave Enugu and go to Abuja. So there are prayer points we come with. That's the basis that he can't answer. Why? They are not based on revelation. That's what I'm saying. So, please, this is my teaching for today. Let's learn a lot of our lives have been built on information from outside. And that generates prayer points for us regularly. There are people who are feeling bad every day, praying every day. Do you know the only reason? They feel like they have failed. Why is it? I've even used people who go to church. You know, there are churches, you know, you finish church service. I told my wife once, I said, a church service should build your faith. She doesn't teach you common sense. Pastors come to the pulpit to teach marketing. Networking. I went somewhere, you know, one man was preaching powerfully. By the time he was done, good message, big man, if I tell the name of the congregation, all over the country. I was sitting down there, I just listened to him preach. I told my wife, has your field been built? At the end of the day, we had a lot of common sense. We left the place. Plenty of common sense. No, the common sense level increased. But this is why I come to church. Lagos Business School can teach me all of these things. When I come to church, faith should be built. I remember once, the first time I went to Covenant in, in, in Lagos. I said, let me tell you how faith is. Please, I need to give this illustration. That they are still remember very well. I like to tell this story. There are stories you like to tell. It makes you feel happy. That day, I read something Pastor Paul wrote. I didn't know who he was. I said, ha, ah, whoever wrote this thing, I think it's gospel, the light of the nations. I said, oh, what day here? I checked no address. Next time I saw Man and Food of Champions, he had a stamp, church address. Saturday, I went to go and look for the church. As I was going, one bus driver was running away from a policeman. So he took off as I was crossing in front of him. You know, full throttle. I told you, Elegba. I don't know. He didn't know I was there. This guy was going to knock me down. Last, you know, of course, as soon as I heard the boom of the engine, I saw the guy. I was right in front of him like this, heading towards me. All the energy in my body entered my legs. The Holy Spirit added his own to it. <laughs> I didn't have time to run. I had only a chance to take one leap. So I took that leap. As I leapt forward, my hand swung backwards. And the edge of the bus caught my shirt and ripped it off. No, it was that close. I said, eh, this means I want to go tomorrow. 
It was, you, know, you know, they were started to let me go and locate the church. So, of course, my shirt was ripped almost from the shoulder. Make a long story short, I went back home. Next Sunday, when I was coming out, I think it rained a bit. Ground was wet, Lagos. I wore white. White linen, you know, starched. Standing like this. And I went to church. Walking gently. You know, when, when a vehicle wants to pass, you move back. Lest you be defiled. Are you getting my point? <laughs> That's how I was walking that day. Very, very gently. Like a chameleon. Stepping nicely because I didn't want my clothes stained. Now, talk about faith. Somebody say faith. faith. I entered the church. I'll make the story short. After a while, the pastor came out to preach. Still have the tape. Inheritance inside the new man. We have been speaking about this inheritance. He began to talk. Ah, how nothing on earth can affect it. He stood in the heavens. He spoke and spoke and spoke. Now, that tape I have is one hour, 30 minutes. That day, he actually preached for two hours, 20 minutes. Many of the things he said are not there. By the time it was done that day, when I left the church, he had explained that life has phases. That you are in one particular phase right now. It's not saying anything about the next phase you are going to. You should never feel bad about the phase you are in right now. There's the inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. And God is purifying you for that inheritance to be manifested. But I'm even speaking and speaking and speaking. I let the church that this time I was walking inside the mud. <laughs> I was walking, I was walking and I was splash, splash. Now splash, you want splash. Then splash, they go. Now that's not talking about faith being boosted. Before I went, I was careful because my white dress should not, not get dirty. When I left, I did not care for white dress. That is rubbish. What's my own with white dress? A white garment. Stain now. Do you know where my destiny is? Stain. It's in heaven. It cannot be touched. Whatever mud you rub in it, it can't touch it where it is kept. My father, that day, I felt life. You know, I was walking like this. Father, I worship you. All the disadvantages of my life that day made no meaning anymore. Things I would have felt bad about. For what? What am I going to say? Listen, when the word of God starts forming your desires, are you getting my point? There are prayer points you don't just pray anymore. They are not a prayer point. That's why Jesus meant when he said, if my words abide in you, John said, you pray according to his will. What am I teaching? For us to start forming our lives on the promises of God. Why did I give that example of children and the heritage of the Lord? You hear people talk all the time. I've gotten personally, you know, incensed, angered at people for one simple reason. I told you, I read Pa Elton. He said he needed to have only one child, but he gave us a reason. But the rest of the world, you know, the rest of the church, you start sticking and start telling you, you know, the world, you know, things are getting more expensive. How are you send them to school? You know, God will just call, you know, it's called, you know, it's an insult. The other day I was talking to, you know, talking to my son, you know, we're talking. So we're talking about why he needed to move you know, he's been going to school from home and all of that. So he needed to move to school. So I said, okay, no problem. Explain why. And we kept on talking. So I was telling the pros and cons, you know. Sometimes, you know, a young man just want to get out of the house and go to school. I said, look, forget that thing. When you get there, your life will not be the same again. This, you know, there are things you take for granted. Well, power for granted. Water for granted. Food for granted, you know. <laughs> so what you <laughs> so we're just talking. I'm going somewhere. You see where I'm going? There's something I said to him that day. So I now said that. So this is how I talk with, you know, I talk with him. I said, tell me the advantages, why you need to move it. He reeled them out. And I said, now tell me the disadvantages. I want to be sure you've thought about them. So he started telling me things. Some of them we had discussed before, previous times. He said this and that. He now said, 
It will be more expensive. This is where I'm going. I'm bo- and I said, that's none of your business. He said, yeah, that's right. I don't know what I heard I said. He said, it was give me the disadvantages of moving from going from home to school to staying on campus. And I said, one that disadvantage that it will be more expensive. And I said, how is that your business? So he said, I'm sorry. He just dropped it on the spot. It will cost more, but is it your money? <laughs> you know, really, that day, you know, I was lying on the bed. He was just there talking with me. When he got to that point, I just said, how is that your business? That's what I asked him. How is that your business? And the guy said, oh, I'm sorry. So he withdrew that from the list of the disadvantages. I said, say things that have to do with you. You're talking about Esha dad here, and you're talking nonsense. <laughs> do, do you get my point? I said, look. And that's what we do with God. We're telling him, thinking of children is expensive, and you are insulting him. Daddy, I told my son, I said, how's that your business? And instantly he piped down. I'm not telling you to come and use your savings to pay. Whatever we agree on, the money is going to cost. It's my money, not yours. Don't save it for me. What do you know about money? And that's how we do, we behave to God. Tell me, say, you know, it's getting expensive to take care of children. Because that means you are the one taking care of today's own. There's a way we cut off our prayer we don't understand. There are statements you should not make. Those days I used to say, well, look, I've been having these arguments I was in university. Don't think it's now. Listen, I said, listen, God will bless me to a level. I will take care of other people's children. Don't worry about it. See, small-mindedness. So I can't raise more than two children because what is hard. It shows you are not planning to spend money on children more than those two. People that God has blessed, they are, they are spending money on multitudes. I mean, I, I give my father-in-law an experience. Are you getting my point? You know, as I, you know, as, it's the closest experience I've had. If that man wanted to have 50 children, he's entitled to it. Because I'm a witness to this cause of children he trained. One of be telling me, so he said, look, I'm the first of 40 children. Some of you say, I can't marry my high responsibility. My father-in-law is the first of 40 children. 40. What do you don't see? No, I tell you what I do. Everybody knows, has what they love. Do you understand my point? You know, some people, okay, you want to marry, you go and show off to your father-in-law, you have a big, big car. You understand? What impressed my father-in-law was that when I came to marry his daughter, I was a senior registrar. And he asked me how old I was. I told him. He was impressed. That this boy is very brilliant. He will have grandchildren for me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that all of them will be brilliant. <laughs> now, this is where I'm going. You know why? Because he likes book. But he said to me that I had to drop out of academics to go into business and all of that because I had too many younger ones to take care of. He finally got his PhD at the age of 60. Because that's how much he likes book. He said, but I couldn't do it. Why? I had responsibilities. Okay, Mute, you were there with me that day. When he was telling me about when he was being housed in the village. He said, that has cost me so much. How much did he tell that day? Okay, they said, how, is that money this man caught like this? I tell you, you won't get poorer. Listen, it wasn't easy. I'm not saying it was easy. Oh, God, it was not easy. Ask my wife stories. But did he become poor because of that? Ah, when he was telling us, he said, look, bank that when he was in school, during holiday, he would go and tap rubber. You know, he called tapping rubber. Some of you don't even know where rubber comes from. Save up money during holiday to be able to go back to school. 
And I see Christians. And he did. He now said, you're born again. And there are new creation in Christ Jesus. He now said that, you know, economy is getting hard. He had nothing more than basic Catholic knowledge. But he believed that God will help him. Sometimes people who claim they are the word of God. I'm just looking at you like, oh foolish Galatia, what kind of rubbish is this? Listen, I'll be honest with you. The reason why I don't have 12 children is I couldn't find a woman to agree to marry me and have 12 children. I, one major reason I wanted to have 12 children, and God will still do it. You know, one major reason. <laughs> one major reason I wanted to have 12 one major reason. There are many other One major reason was because of Christians. They said, look, you people should wake up to reality. One man in my hometown has 200. He had at least 200 children. Now, that's not the gist. The gist is that when you hear their names, where they are, senior advocates, professor, if you know where these people are, these are people who don't know God. All they join is cults and stuff like that. Yet you see people who are born, born again, tongue-talking, who claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I only want to give you stories. They'll be telling that you know the world is hard. You know now before you know he has stupid things like how do you carry four children to Dubai? What are you looking for there? Nonsense talk. Please don't annoy me. I'm warning you. <laughs> are you look, listen to me. We've been making some statements. You let me tell you what something the Red Prince said. The Red Prince said this is how God takes glory by fulfilling his promises in your life. He said, Where else will he get glory from? That God gets his glory from fulfilling his promises in your life. There's people, people will be prophesying. They don't realize they are prophesying poverty for themselves. Who's talking about raising five children, six, seven, ten? We're talking about, you know, when Dangote wants to help children, it's 200 million naira for goodness sake. I mean, come on, please. What's my message for this evening? Let's build our no, our thought process on God's promises. They are great. They are beyond what you have ever imagined. Every day, take the scriptures and soak it. Please, please. You know, I, there are things, when I'm praying for myself, for my wife, for my family, praying for people, or you hear me preach again and again, I say old age is not a disease. People say, you know, you plan for retirement when you'll not be able to go out again. I'm not saying you should not plan. In fact, I think I'm saying you should not plan. Safe. I don't even know which one I'm saying. But the point is this. It must not be on the premise that one day you'll be tired, you'll not be able to go out. Some of the things... Some of these plans we have, they are based on, you know, reprobate and, you know, backsliding society's ideas. Sometimes people talk about it time, 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 time. I just look and say, what? You see, scriptures. I said, remember I said, don't touch that scripture. What happens is that society sometimes they have taken the word of God, you know, they've scattered it. The same people, now please, I'm not saying you should plan with this in mind, but I just want to give an idea. The same people who tell you that it is better 
to have only one child so he can take care of the child, which is not true. They wanted to just be having fun as young parents. That's all. Okay? They say, have one, have two. The same person says, save up for retirement. They don't realize that the way God had already built our societies, if we structured it in such a way as to obey the structure, if you, if you, if you planned our life according to the structure of God, some of this save up for retirement wouldn't be necessary. I don't know whether I get my point. If God blesses your children, one gift, you can't finish spending it in three years. So lay up, lay up, lay up, lay up on the layers and they look. If one, 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 because it's not one person, many people are like that. There are people you know. By the time God finishes blessing them, the house their father left for them, they are laughing. So how can I live in that thing? There was one, one of our brothers told me that the one guy he met, his father built a beautiful house in Ikoyi in Lagos. And he's laughing. He's telling his father, please sell your house while you're alive and enjoy your money. There's no way I will live there. The one he's building for himself as a young man is already bigger than the one his father labored and laid up for him. So he'll say, like, what is, I told my father to go and sell his house. We don't know where to lay up our treasure. We want to put it in, you know, insurance, put it in bank. You know what Chinese man said? He said, if you are planning for a year, plant rice. If you are planning for 10 years, plant trees. He said, if you are planning for a lifetime, educate a child. That's a Chinese proverb. The world will be teaching us some things. Let's just obey God. That's what I'm going to say. The scriptures, let them form your thoughts. That's the only way you can be in agreement first with him and then within yourself. I'm not talking anything specific. Like just let it form your ideas. If the Bible says children are the heritage of the Lord, just believe it like that. Don't, how will it work out? It's none of your business. The earth will become too occupied. Is that your business? Did you form it? So it will not be too many. Listen, all our population on this earth, this earth can support many of us many times over. America, listen, Texas alone is as big as Nigeria. Flights go within one year. That is one hour flight within Texas. There are places in America you fly six hours and you, are, you have not left the United States. Yeah, their population is up to 300 million. If you've been to the U.S., the place you go to, you, is, all you see is trees. Till now you can buy a whole ranch in Texas for $50,000. There's nobody staying there. Rubbish. They throw away enough food to fill the whole world three times over. What are you talking about? Why didn't the Canada is giving out visas anyhow? So much land, nobody inhabiting it. Please, don't worry about how the Lord will solve his problem. Did you create the heavens and the earth? The world is not teaching us. That's the point I'm making. They now form ideas for us. Tell us you are too fat. Tell us, uh, you tell you that you, by, by the age of so, you should have enough money to last you till you are, to, 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 till you are 80. What if now live to be 100, according to the word of God? They will never teach you divine precepts. Have you ever seen any of those books explain why children should take care of their parents? Have you ever seen it? But it's not in your Bible. When they say, honor your father and your mother, Jesus made it clear that that promise was about giving gifts. That's a commandment. He said, you will say, you say you, you, in fact, it's in scripture like that. You make the word of God of no effect by reason of your, of your traditions. He said, what a man could have helped his parents with you say, he's been, you know, he has been given to church. 
He said that by inactivating the word of God, which says, honor your father and your mother, that is giving of gifts to your parents is a commandment of God. But have you ever seen a financial planning book that discusses it? They will tell you that you've lived your life. Let them live their own. They were putting those children into poverty because there's a blessing that they will never contact, connect with. There's a blessing they will never contact. And I will bring it to church. Financial planning. Save 10%. Lay up treasure on the earth in guaranteed trust bank, in access bank. 10% goes to access. Another 10% goes to guaranteed trust. Amen? Amen. That way, in the time of leanness, you will never lack. Dave, jo- Joseph saved up in the time of excess. And you are preaching that to somebody who is hungry. We preach faithlessness, build our prayer points on what disagrees with God. And we expect him to answer. Look, my message today may not sound strictly like power of agreement. But after I thought about it, those three scriptures are very important. Psalm 139, the the vastness of the sum of his thoughts towards you. Peter said, these thoughts are the magnificent and the great promises, precious promises. And the Hebrews will read that they are the anchor of the soul. They are the reason why a man, a woman is not tossed to and fro. They are the reason why he can agree with himself. Why? The anchor of his desires is what God has spoken. If it is with long life, I will satisfy him. Long life is therefore right to make it as a prayer point. When I say prayer point, now, I say, God, I'm begging you, give me long life. No, Lord, you have promised long life. Therefore, I say, your will be done in my life concerning long life. When science says, eh, I did your, they say, 80, you start dying. And please, that scripture is wrong. When we say, it's a lamentation of Moses. When he says 70 years is the day appointed for, it's not true. Moses was lamenting because you have lifted, lifted up, up, up our iniquities in the light of your countenance. Therefore, our days have become 70. If by reason of strength, the strong ones live to be 80. Common sense tells us that scripture could not have been like the way quoted that God only promised 70 years. Where? God punished 70 years. Are you getting my point? He didn't promise. What did he do? He punished. It was punishment. 80 years was punishment. Not 70. No, 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 not a blessing. He said, with long life, I will do what? Satisfy. And we see the satisfaction in it. Caleb was 40. When he was supposed to enter the promise that he didn't make it. But God suspended him at that point. You will not get weak. 45 years later, at the age of 85, he was taking mountains. That used to belong to the strongest of Anakim. The place was called Kiriath Alba. The man changed the name to Hebron. Why? The promise of God. With long life, I will do what? Satisfy him. A friend of mine called me today. Just to inform that his father was late. I was a bit surprised because I felt that our fathers would have been about the same man. But his father was older than my dad, actually. But the man was just like this year. And he said he was 94. I said, wow, he tried. You know what he said to me? Man of God, are you not the one preaching to us? That the youth will die at the age of 100. What is the big deal about 94? I said, sir, you are right. That's what the Bible says. The blessing of God, if a man dies at 100, he should be considered a young man. That if he dies before the age of 100, he should be considered what? Accursed. That something is wrong. So if he died at 100 to 104, 
one of five. God said, ah, he's a young man. He's okay. When he dies at 85, he said, ah, what happened? Whose wife did he collect? But we start celebrating it. Like I said, don't touch the scripture. How will it work? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Listen, the word of God has power. That's what I'm going to say. Let's agree with it. Let's build. Look, listen. Just don't touch it. Look at it. If you don't know how it will work, leave it like that. It will take care of itself. So next time, of course, <laughs> next time your back is paining you, don't tell me it's because you are old. How old are you? Back is paining you at 50. And that's supposed to be a sign of old age. No, that is a sign of unbelief. That is a sign of iniquity. You go and repent. Say, Father God, I have back pain. Somebody says, old age at 50. How can I be old? He says, my disc that is sleeping. I hereby command this disc that sleep to, re- to realign in to play the place where it came from. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you know discs, they hear the word of God. Listen, I told you about two years ago or so, was well, this my left thumb? It pained me to, you know, it got to a point, I asked my wife, I would tie it when I wanted to sleep. Don't forget to, I have natural training in medical science. All kinds of thoughts entered my head. I said, lie, lie, not here. Ah, I said, not here. It's me, you now come and diagnose with my talk arthritis. God punish the devil. May the devil go to hell fire. <laughs> hey, no. I kept on declaring the word of God on it. The priest said something that the Christian must have hope. When I heard him say that thing, ah, I realized that God has blessed me for a long time with hope. I don't want to start teaching now. Maybe another time we'll talk about it again. When Jesus said that, if you are, for that reason I said to you, whatever you ask, believe that you receive. You understand? And you shall have. That word is believe that it is working. It doesn't mean believe you have received. No. Believe something is working. Don't take that negative as final. Hope is the anchor. No matter how sick I am, I just make up my mind, no, I'm getting well. I am getting well. That is it. Say you fall sick. A righteous man falls sick how many times? Seven times. <laughs> but the Lord will do what? He will raise him up. So if I'm down today, I'm not, I'm, I will tell you, say, guys, last week I wasn't feeling well. But as I was not feeling well, I was telling my body, you will get well. This one you are doing, not them more. Not them more. If Dr. Tem says, it doesn't look like he'll get well, I say, you don't know what he'll say. And it's not a lie, he does not know what he'll say. He doesn't know what he's saying. That hope. Ah, I said, no, I'm getting well. I kept on doing... Ah, then one day... <laughs> didn't go to see anybody. Then one day, something else dropped in my mind. I believe it was the Holy Spirit. He said, change the way we hold your steering. I found that was my steering, the way I held it, that was little by little injuring my thumb. I changed it, phew, the thing went down. You know one thing I found out about doctors? They are human beings. There is no way in our book that says steering induced. So when you get it, they don't know what it is. They give you the one they know. Rheumatoid arthritis. Hook your life on drugs. Some of those things behave like cocaine. The more you take, the more you need. Come back again. The money is in the comeback. See you. <laughs> Yeah, the young man, they are 40, they've diagnosed you as hypertensive and you are very happy to be shacking drug every day. You have not asked God, what sin did I commit? Iniquity comes in different types. Though. There's iniquity of chasing another man's wife. That one causes more than high blood pressure. 
But the iniquity of not sleeping is iniquity. I must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day. Worry is one of the worst sins. I hope you know worry is a sin. Some people will be praying, my enemies die, die, die. As you are praying that prayer, your prayer, your blood pressure is going up. You know it's a sin. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? It's a sin. Some people anger against the government. You know it's a sin. Instead of praying for them, you're angry with them. All of these things are built, built up inside your blood, your blood pressure. It's now high. They now give you a tablet to cure your iniquity. How can it work? So every year you are increasing the dosage because your sins have not gone away. Maybe on Saturday I'll talk again about why King Saul was chosen. Why he was unnecessary. King Saul was the tablet given to the hypertensive that's supposed to have repented of his sins. So the blood pressure got worse. So I've knelt and said, God, what must I do to have a normal blood pressure? God will have said, this one of waking up at 4 a.m. to check the stock market is the reason why your blood pressure is going up. Sell your stock. You can't handle the stock market. There are some people right now, as soon as they sell their stock, stock market is not bad, that is bad, but they can't handle it. So God says, sell your stock. Go and buy chicken. It's true. Go and start farming. Be counting your fowl every day. There are just some people who are taking, God says, you know you don't belong there. They want to kill you, but you like the money. Stay there now. Some people, their blood pressure is high. Because they are not in the place where God said they should be. Where God said they should be, the money is small. So God said, okay, no problem. I extend your peace of mind with money. It's called selling your soul. You know what they call soul? The life of the, the soul of the flesh is where? In the blood. The word nafesh, soul, is the same thing as life. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Let's go home. Let's bow down and let's give another thanks for today. Say, Lord, help me to agree with you. Help me, help me to agree. Help me to agree with you. Help me to agree with you.